Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name's Tom Rablick and welcome to this podcast. The pandemic that we've been going through has had a range of consequences in the economy, but none more profound than the consequence for many people employed across Australia, whether it be on a casual basis, part-time or full-time in hospitality or in manufacturing or in uh, the department stores around the place. It's important that people understand some of the basic rights and issues that they confront when they're working in a workplace or they're leaving a workplace, particularly in circumstances that are unique, that are um, and it's become somewhat of a cliche, somewhat unprecedented. Today I've got Patrick Turner, who's a senior associate with the Industrial Law Group at Morris Blackburn, who's going to take us through some of those issues and hopefully demystify aspects of employment law that might be relevant at the current time. Patrick, thank you for joining me for this podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. Okay, what are you seeing? At, before we go into some specifics, Patrick, what are you seeing at the moment out in the marketplace in relation to legal issues and uh, employment as a consequence of the pandemic? The, the, the word unprecedented is a good one, Tom. I agree it's overused, but unfortunately, um, these really are unprecedented times and, and that's no different in the world of employment law and, and workplace rights. Um, we've seen a, a lot of quite unique situations developing. Um, Probably some of the most uh, pressing matters that we've been dealing with is um, employers not um, uh, not applying the new JobKeeper laws correctly. Um, so, for example, you might have instances where employers are claiming JobKeeper where they shouldn't be. Um, for example, to pay an employee uh, that they uh, otherwise were trying to force out of the business as a, a means of financing someone's suspension. Uh, you know, I've also... Um, uh, heard of issues where employers have made entire groups of employees redundant and then subsequently sought to claim JobKeeper to help defer the costs of those redundancy payments. Um, so there's a range of issues with how people are complying with the new JobKeeper laws. There's also, of course, the issue of employers simply opting out of the scheme and not applying for it at all and instead opting to make redundancies, um, which is really disappointing to see. Um, it means that the scheme is not quite having the desired effect um, and it means that there will be lots of people out of work who otherwise could have been kept there if people had decided to uh, take advantage of um, the federal government scheme. So that's significant too. Beyond that, um, we're seeing uh, incredible um, uh, instances of employers seeking to... Uh, uh, either request or, in many cases, direct employees to take pay cuts. Sometimes they're seeking their agreement, sometimes they're not. There appears to always be the implicit threat of termination of employment if people don't agree to drastic changes in the way that they're paid or the way that they perform work. Um, all of those issues have consequences for um, employment laws, and that's been keeping me very busy, Tom, in the past couple of months. Okay, well, if we can take it, can we expand on a couple of those, one of which is the inaccurate application of the JobKeeper laws. How widespread do you think that is? Because I have heard that there are some people who haven't opted for the JobKeeper um, 
scheme because they would end up having to pay up front um, a $1,500 amount that would be in excess of what an employee who might be you know, working casually for an employer would be getting normally. Um, is that the kind of thing you're seeing as well? Yes. Look, I think there has been a real uh, concern of a cash crunch for a lot of particularly small businesses of whether or not they were going to have the money to stump up the advance payments required of JobKeeper. Um, The federal government did take steps to defer the date of payment of those amounts and I know that there were um, uh, measures put in place by a number of the major banks to try to facilitate lines of credit uh, for employers trying um, trying to meet those requirements. The cash crunch has certainly been an issue. I think um, there has also been a broader issue, though, that some employers have seen this as an opportunity to make long-standing uh, or, or long, um, long-wanted changes to uh, the structure of their workplaces. Um, and there have been instances where employers are taking advantage, essentially, of, of a situation of crisis, notwithstanding that their business may not have been as seriously affected as others in order to make sweeping changes um, where otherwise they would have been unable to, in many cases relying on the trepidation of employees about their ongoing employment um, uh, in, order to, uh, in order to push those through. So we've, I've been seeing a number of instances of that, but we have also been seeing a number of instances where employers simply aren't opting into the scheme as well. You mentioned the notion of employees being asked to consider a pay cut under the circumstances. We have seen some reportage in the press over the past few months of the accounting firms, for example, seeking to negotiate with their employees a a pay cut, um, no doubt, rather than to deter everybody out when work is quiet. How much of that is occurring across other industries? Look, I think that practice is very disappointingly so, increasingly widespread. There have been reports of engineering firms uh, uh, seeking to um, impose similar measures. Um, I know the tertiary education sector is in the middle of a pretty tortured um, debate about uh, what uh, cuts to pay may or may not be acceptable to academics. Really what I want people to be aware of, though, is that you're under no compulsion to agree to a pay cut. And I think sometimes that gets lost in the reporting. A lot of employers are saying everyone needs to take a pay cut by fiat, but um, that's simply not the case. Um, You can't be forced to agree to a cut in your pay. Um, You're not required to agree to that, and your employer can't unilaterally drop it without your consent. That's a breach of the contract of employment. Um, or it may also contravene the term of an enterprise agreement that applies to a a worker or potentially a clause of an award. Um, So notwithstanding that it it does appear to be occurring, um, I have concerns about uh, about whether or not employees are are genuinely being asked to agree to this or whether these changes are being imposed upon them. The, I mean, it, this leads me on to the, the sort of some of the issues that I was keen to talk to you about. Uh, you mentioned that there might be a practice amongst some employers to 
um, shall we say, um, clear out dead wood or, or, or move people on under the under the cover of the pandemic. Um, what are the issues for people that look as if they're being made redundant um, or have been made redundant in the current circumstances? Certainly. So, um, uh, as I as I mentioned, there, there does appear to be a bit of a practice of some employers taking advantage of the present circumstances to, to get rid of difficult employees. It's important to know that there are protections in place um, uh, if you're made redundant, um, firstly, um, if it's not a genuine redundancy, you might have an unfair dismissal claim against your employer. If you've been selected for an unlawful reason, so for example, if you've been selected because of your age, if you've been selected because of your sex, if you've been selected because you have a disability, then that's also unlawful. Uh, so there are um, a number of different employment avenues, uh, employment law avenues, if um, you're finding that uh, uh, your role is being made redundant. And there's a few issues that uh, I'd really suggest people uh, think to themselves if they're facing that circumstance. And, and uh, in short, it, it's firstly, does your work still need to be done? If it's the case that your role is still required to be performed, then it may not be a genuine redundancy. Secondly, people should be looking at whether or not there's been a process of consultation uh, before they've been made redundant or was it simply a bolt from the blue? Thirdly, has the process been fair or transparent or does it look like you've been picked unfairly or on a discriminatory basis? For another question employees should be asking themselves is, is there any other, any other job I could do? Are there other vacancies that I could fill that aren't being offered to me? And finally, um, if they are making me redundant, are they paying me everything I'm entitled to? So those are the things I'd be recommending people have a think about if they're staring down the barrel of a redundancy. Is, redundancy is one thing, but we also have the whole notion of being stood down. Um, what are the circumstances in which an employer is able to uh, stand somebody down? That's a great question, Tom. So a redundancy is distinct from a stand down. So a redundancy will occur where an employer terminates a job because it no longer requires the job to be performed by anyone. So unlike with a stand down, the employment relationship ceases completely. With a stand down, the employee remains employed, but an employer can only stand down an employee in really quite limited circumstances. Now, um, a stand down can be affected under Section 524 of the Fair Work Act or the old stand down provisions. There have also been recent changes to the Fair Work Act, the introduction of a new Part 64C, um, which enables employers to issue uh, a stand down as part of a JobKeeper enabling direction. Um, finally, there, there might also be clauses in an enterprise agreement that applies to a worker uh, or in their contract which relate to a stand down. In terms of the circumstances of where you can stand someone down, well, again, it depends on what power your employer is exercising. So if they're exercising the old stand down provisions, the circumstances are pretty limited in which an employer can stand you down. Um, there needs to be a stoppage of work for any cause for which the employer cannot reasonably be held responsible. There's been a very recent um, decision of the Fair Work Commission uh, that was um, handed down today, actually, 
uh, tackling that issue in respect of a cruise line operator and said that, you know, in a regulatory environment where, um, uh, where some employers simply cannot operate business as usual, it may be the case that that's a stoppage of work, which they can't be held responsible for. Um, but employees shouldn't just accept that, again, as a fait accompli, that's something that um, should be tested and is not necessarily straightforward, depending on the circumstances of the employer. The other thing is the employee must not be able to be usefully employed by the employer, um, which again, uh, is subject to interpretation and is not uh, in and of itself straightforward. So that's under the old provisions. Under the new provisions, the bar has been lowered a bit. It's easier for an employer to issue a, a JobKeeper enabling stand down direction, but there's uh, limitations on that. So those laws are only available to employers that are participating in the JobKeeper scheme. So they won't be accessible by employers who have opted out. Um, where the employer is participating in that scheme, um, uh, they can um, stand down someone uh, subject to a couple of limitations. So uh, a, an employee must not be able to be usefully employed for their normal days or hours during the stand down period because of business changes attributable to COVID-19 or government initiatives to slow the pandemic. And the implementation of the stand down must be safe and with regard to the nature and spread of COVID-19. Before they can introduce a direction like that, there's also notice and consultation requirements. And finally, that type of direction needs to be reasonable in all the circumstances. So um, yes, employers can stand people down, but there are quite significant limitations on um, when that should occur. And in terms of standing down, uh, that, that, that applies to the... I, I spoke to someone who had an interesting case study, Patrick, which was um, they're a cleaning operation. Yep. Many of their contracts are with hotels. Hotels were forced to shut as a result of uh, restrictions on their operations yep. re related to the, the pandemic and preventing spread. Uh, the employer in this case I'm thinking of did get JobKeeper. The employees have been stood down, yep. but they'll they'll no doubt come back online when all the all the clients for which cleaning had been done prior to the pandemic, causing the shutdown, reopen. So that that's probably the kind of circumstance you're talking about that is lawful under the new under the. Uh, COVID-19 specific provisions. That, that's the kind of circumstance the laws are really designed and directed towards. Um, the, the key point there, of course, is that the employer should be passing on the JobKeeper payment to employees while they're stood down in full. Um, uh, under the old stand-down provisions, there's no obligations to pay employees, which is part of the reason why there's a lot of hurdles to jump over before you can stand people down. Um Part of the reason that it's easier to issue a JobKeeper direction is that employees will be paid. They must be paid the $1,500 payment a fortnight. Um, but yes, you're, you're quite right, Tom. That seems like the circumstances uh, the law was designed to, to target. Have, have you found um, in the practice any examples of employers that have engaged in behaviour that is not in the spirit of the COVID-19 provisions? And unfortunately, yes, we are encountering a lot of instances where people aren't, um, aren't adopting the attitude of we're all in this together um, uh, and seem to be 
uh, operating on, on towards more selfish ends. Um, so we are seeing instances where, for example, employers are claiming to be issuing a direction under the JobKeeper laws, but haven't actually applied for them and aren't eligible to make such a direction. Um, that, that's a breach of those laws, but there's been a lot of instances of that type of behaviour occurring. We're seeing instances also of employers seeking to claim JobKeeper where they don't uh, properly meet the um, prerequisites as well. So um, uh, they might be uh, cooking the books a bit um, in terms of their turnover to try to access it, um, or um, uh, they might be asking employees to, and, and this goes to one of the aspects of the scheme, they might be asking employees to work more hours in order to earn, and I'm putting that in um, imaginary quotation marks for your listeners, Tom, um, to earn uh, hmm. the additional component of the payment beyond what their normal uh, wage is. This is because under JobKeeper, everyone gets a fortnightly payment of $1,500. So even if you wouldn't normally earn $1,500 a fortnight, you do get the you do get the full amount. It's a flat scheme. Um, some employers are saying to people who would normally earn less than that, you need to come in, you need to do more hours um, and uh, are claiming that that's a feature of the scheme or that that's a lawful direction and that employee consent is not required. Of course, that's not the case. That's unlawful. But typically, people who are being issued with directions like that are in some of the most vulnerable jobs and are most prone to losing their employment. And often, desperate people are accepting things that they wouldn't otherwise. That seems to be, it actually does concern me that you're seeing that trend. Um, what can people do in that situation, Patrick? Because there are those who look at look at the world around them and they might consider themselves lucky to be employed when other people have lost work. For example, in journalism, there's a lot of people who've lost work um, as a result of uh, business closures or uh, media companies have uh, had to lay off or, or make redundant staff that would otherwise be there because advertising dropped. But what can people do in that situation uh, under the law at the present time? So, look, the, the first thing people should know is that you're always stronger when you're acting as part of a collective um, your bargaining power is always greater when there's many of you pursuing the same aim. So my first piece of advice to anyone is to join your union. Um, that's what they're there for. They're there to um, uh, they're there to assist, and they're doing fantastic work throughout this crisis, trying to advocate for workers and getting the best deals possible um, in these pretty extraordinary economic circumstances. The second thing is get legal advice. Um, just because you're being told. You have to do it doesn't mean you have to. Um, you do have uh, rights. There are plenty of options to challenge behaviour like that. I encourage you to speak to lawyers um, uh, and, and to get legal advice about uh, if you're asked to do something that you're not comfortable with. Um, and finally, um, I think the important thing to, for people to remember is that this will pass. And we are currently going through a time where people are being asked to do extraordinary things, often without being given much time to deliberate or to think carefully about what they're agreeing to or what they're doing, people should keep in mind that if you agree to a pay cut now, um, you might be giving away uh, you know, years of hard bargain for pay increases. If your pay increases 3% every year and you're giving up $10,000 or $20,000, 
um, you're setting yourself back a, a number of years. Uh, you're also losing money, which compounds over time um, as your career progresses. You're starting from a lower base. Um, and uh, it's critically important that people don't leap into um, decisions like this, that they don't make decisions under pressure without first at least getting advice from someone else. Uh, that, that's quite important. Um, it, we've dealt with the notions of redundancy. We've dealt with the notions of standing down. Now, imagine I'm an employee walking into the front door, walking through the front door of an office after being in self-isolation for a couple of months. Um, my employer has said I'm not to walk through the front door of that office without the COVID safe app downloaded onto my telephone. Is the employer entitled to require me to have uh, that app on a telephone or an electronic device before I return to the office? Yeah, that's a great question. So employees are required to comply with reasonable and lawful directions that are issued to them. There's obviously two big caveats there, though. If it's not reasonable and if it's not lawful, um, then it's not a direction that you're required to comply with. In respect of um, employers directing people to install the COVID safe app, that's not a lawful direction. So um, a new section 94H subsection one of the Privacy Act has been introduced. It provides that a person, including an employer, must not require another person to download the app to a phone, um, to have it in operation on their phone, or uh, require them to consent to uploading COVID app data um, to the COVID safe uh, data store. Um, if an employer was to issue such a direction, uh, they'd likely be committing an offence uh, under those new laws. So if people are being issued with such a direction, I'd, I'd really encourage them to let their union know, speak to a lawyer, or in the alternative, speak to your local workplace health and safety regulator um, because uh, it's not a lawful direction. Uh, it's in breach of the Privacy Act and you can't be required to do it. Okay, what, what is lawful in this circumstance? Because I've heard of, for example, um, there being changes in internal work arrangements in office environments where uh, an organisation might say, well, we won't use... Uh, we won't use the hot desking methodology anymore. You will need to book a desk ahead of time. Uh, you won't be able to have access to the kitchens uh, for a period of time, given the the risk of um, uh, spread. Are those kinds of things more likely to be within the scope of the um, scope of the law and allowable? Yeah. So, um, look, employers do have obligations. Um, as persons conducting a business or undertaking to ensure the safety of um, people uh, at work and to ensure the safety of their employees. And it is important that safety measures are put into place um, to make sure that the risk of COVID uh, exposure is low. Um, uh, so a lot of those measures will be um, lawful to the extent that they're directed towards ensuring worker safety. Um, but... Uh, uh, Importantly, if you're being asked to do something that's not safe, 
um, or that does pose a risk to your safety, then that raises a real question about whether that direction is reasonable and lawful. Um, look, it all turns on the facts of the circumstances. What might be safe in one industry may not be safe in another industry. Um, uh, but broadly, those measures are things that uh, I think a lot of employers are going to be obligated to do in, in order to ensure they're complying with their workplace health and safety obligations. Are there any other issues, Patrick, that people listening need to be mindful of at the present time, given that uh, employers and, and employees are, um, are going through a, a fairly tense, I guess, period given the pandemic um, and government initiatives to try and slow the spread? Yeah. I, I guess what, what I'd ask people is to show a bit of compassion to each other. Um, uh, uh, it's disappointing to hear reports and also to experience firsthand instances where people um, are, are taking advantage of the current crisis opportunistically because at, at the end of the day, it will be finite. We're going to come through it at the end. And I think those businesses that do the right thing by their employees um, during this crisis, they're the ones that are going to come through stronger and better uh, through this crisis, they're going to have the respect of their workforce, but also of their customers and of their shareholders. Um, uh, if people show a bit of compassion, if people try to do the right thing by each other, then I think we'll come through this fine. Um, but if, if people do uh, act selfishly, if we're making um, policy decisions that don't um, that, that don't ensure that um, workers' rights um, and a, a safe uh, healthy, um, efficient economy are in place, then, then yes, I'll, I'll be concerned. So I guess that's that's the one thing I'd say to all your listeners is if we can show a bit of compassion, that'd be, um, I think that'll help us go a long way. Okay, Patrick, look, that's, that's a really good uh, point at which to uh, stop and uh, sort of give people a chance to reflect. Thanks for making your time available today. Now, if people were wanting to contact your firm, Morris Blackburn, um, for uh, any advice, not that you're necessarily wanting to flutter people to call you, but what what uh, what are the contact points for, for Morris Blackburn as yeah. one of the industrial um, relations law firms? Absolutely. So, look, we've got a uh, probably the best way is to go via our website. Um, uh, if you go via our website, the information's all there. The different options um, that are available to people are set out there. You can also look up the lawyers that you'll be speaking to. So you've got a sense of um, who's going to be picking up the phone or meeting you in person um, to discuss the issue. We've got a fantastic um, uh, team who respond to phone calls and inquiries from people. Um, they do a great job at getting you through to the right person. So um, if people uh, look us up, look us up on the website, please get in touch. Um, I, I'd really hate to see people making decisions now that have long-term implications for them without at least first getting some advice. Uh, that, that's an important point to end on. Look, Patrick, uh, thank you so much for joining me. I've been talking to Patrick Turner, who's a senior associate in the industrial relations pra practice at Morris Blackburn Lawyers. Um, thanks for joining me, Patrick. And also to those of you listening, stay safe and look after each other. 
and uh, I'll be back soon, no doubt, with another podcast.